Welcome to Product Leaders Podcast, a podcast by FireArt. We are the defenders of usability, champions for product consistency, and the emissaries of enjoyable human-technology interactions. Don't play the game, listen to the podcast, where we share conversations in product leadership to help empower you to produce great digital products for your customers. Abhishek Jain is a builder of highly successful and scalable marketing strategies, technology solutions, and product development teams in digital, cloud, mobile, and artificial intelligence with expertise in both startups and scaled growth stages. I'm really happy to having you in our Product Leaders podcast. But before jumping straight to the topic that we are going to discuss, AI development, maybe you can give us a little of a background because I know that you already have more than 20 years of experience. And I'm curious to learn more how you get to the chief product officer position and how your journey looks like. Sounds good. Really appreciate you know this opportunity to talk to you and thank you for uh, having me and go over my little uh, experience in, uh, in technology and, and many different industries and the whole tenure of work that I have uh, gone through in my tiny little career of nearly 26, 27 years. So I started off, again, I'm Abhishek. I've been in this industry for a very long time. Started off just like right off out of the college. I finished my master's in uh, computer science, worked as an engineer, building software. I was most, you know, for the most part of my life, I've been on the application side, application uh, development. And uh, from there, I've been the first employee of a startup where we did not even have a building. And I was working out of a CIO's house. From then on to get a building, build the software. We got acquired by GE and then became part of that big role into GE and then understand the, uh, you know, working with big companies. From there, moving on to doing tons of tech consulting. I was one of the founding architects of uh, Priceline Webhouse Club. So back in 2000, when Priceline was a big name or became a big name in the Name Your Price for airlines, they launched this Webhouse Club for Name Your Price for gasoline and uh, groceries. And I was building that product with our CTO and the founders of Priceline. From there on, and then unfortunately, the collapse of .com and so on and so forth, ended up working you know, as an enterprise architect of United Healthcare. From there, application architect at Deloitte, and that basically was the wrap up of my hands-on, deep down building systems and applications and the infrastructure and integrations of applications, building frameworks, stuff. You know, love that part of my life and I was just all into building, you know, building systems and applications and everything. Came 2004, I was working with Aaron Gift Certificate as their head of engineering. Took the company from a small incentive platform to an Fortune 500 enterprise level incentive platform. Made it successful from 10 million to $80 million company for our uh, management and everyone else. There on moved on to other companies, again, startups, very established startups, big companies. Most of my life, I was dealing with, you know, growth, stability, scalability, and that's the reason they kept on hiring me. So learn amazing things. I'm uh, very lucky that 
almost every company I went to, I had the fortune to work with amazing colleagues and amazing, amazing leaders. When people ask me, how do I get here? I'm really a, a combination of all the amazing CEOs and CIOs and amazing peers and the colleagues that I work with. And that's really, I am the product, you know, made out of. In 2013, I one day I woke up and I said, I'm going to build my own company. You know, I had an idea of building a funnel optimization software. Let's say you have a direct marketing website, conversion is very low. You take that, connect that, your website with our product, Fusion, with single line of code, JavaScript.Fusion. And then now you have the integration of like 50 different technologies to maximize your acquisition, retention, maximizing your checkout conversions, your credit card conversion, your shipment delivery to your house, everything. We did everything in that product. It was very well received. We got amazing funding by uh, Watson family. If you know uh, who the Watsons are, so Tom Watson started IBM in 1914 and, um, you know, the inventor of computers, one of the iconic families of the United States. I was, again, very lucky to be in touch with his uh, grandson who funded me for my idea. And then I was also invited to one of his portfolio companies. So together we built Fusion. In six months, we finished the product. In the first year, we were profitable. In four years, we were very profitable. And then in 2018, I sold that company to a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. Uh, that was 2018. In between, I also had one or two startups that really did not see light of the day. But Fusion is one success story I can tell with pride and because of our co-found, my co-founder and, and our investors and my amazing team based out of Eastern Europe, we did really, really well. I took some time off few months I got bored, you know, I decided to go back and uh, and do it all over again. I joined WeWork as their VP CorpTech, really responsible for some amazing work at, uh, at uh, WeWork. They had like hundreds and hundreds of SaaS platforms that they want to right size for the company because every acquisition comes with their own portfolio of software, you know, like uh, one instance of Salesforce or another instance of Asana or Monday or Clarison or whatever the case may be, Dropbox, Google Drive, you know, every acquisition has those, you know, and then your tech debt starts to go up and up and up. And at some point, you really have to right size, you have to optimize, you have to take out all the niche software and then see what is the correct suite of applications that this company is going to use tomorrow, if not today. Because today you already have the mass of 800, 900 sales uh, platforms. So fix that. We automated as much uh, work as we could. Because my goal as WeWork was run by OKRs, you know, the, the goals. And my goal was very simple. Turn WeWork into a zero human company. Let the robots take over, like give employees and members a world-class experience when they come to either a location in Tokyo or San Francisco or New York or London or Tel Aviv. You know, you go in, you open your laptop, you connect. Technology is invisible. It just seamless. It's in the air. And that's the vision of Newman. That was the vision of Sebastian and other leaders that we're working with that, you know, how we can give this amazing experience. Instead, you use 20 software a day to get your work done. You use four or five, okay? So because you have horizontally connected all the applications. So for example, from within Slack, we did almost an integration of 233 applications. So from Slack, you could literally spawn a server in AWS. You could send an email using G Suite. You could reset a password through bot. You could open an article on Confluence. You could set a meeting in calendar or 
is schedule a task in monday.com. You don't even have to leave Slack. It became the main facade of your day-to-day applications. So the work done at Slack was amazing. You know, so there was a work with Slack. We did a lot of innovations from within the SaaS applications that we use. I implemented this tool called Xylo that was our super SaaS, I used to call it. It was a SaaS of SaaS. You know, from there, you could look at the software efficiency. You could look at your tag tag. You can look at how many licenses are completely unused. So you can right-size the utilization of the applications and the licenses and everything. So all in all, I think we were on to something really, really big. Unfortunately, things happen. And, you know, at some point, I decided to uh, leave. Right around that time, you know, I was thinking about my whole life and, you know, how I used to go to different companies and and do this SWOT analysis, as we say in marketing, or PESTEL, strength, weakness, opportunities, threats, PESTELs, political, economical, social, technological, environmental, legal, cultural analysis that kind of impact your company in some way, shape, or form. So when I was working with entrepreneurs, when I was working with founders, you know, who had an idea formula, including myself, I did that analysis myself. And most of that analysis was off of tons of research analysis, reading articles, blogs, going to different conferences, speaking to smart people like yourself and several others, or working with some uh, industry leaders. But all that information was out there. And my job was to go on Google, collect all the information, you know, compile all the information, go through everything and ultimately, you know, publish an article or a blog or a post on LinkedIn or, you know, some sort of a an output of that all the knowledge or the information I have gathered. So I said, why don't I just turn that into a market research and a content writing tool, you know, which is running off of AI. So that was the uh, beginning of this new product that we built, market.ai a content writing and market research via AI. We started building this product. Along came GPT-3, Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, and now ChatGPT has really made my life really simple. I don't have to explain anymore. So as I was building this, we and my team, you know, that I hired, you know, I was talking to Deftorium, and they loved the idea. They said, wow, this is great. Uh, We are looking for a chief product officer anyway, someone who's a combination of experience, how you use an application, technology, what is the right backbone of building a product, and someone who has a product development experience. So I said, well, I have something in mind. They said, we need somebody who has something in mind, (laughs) okay? And we want somebody to come and transform our company from this point A to point, you know, P, not B or C or D, but A to somewhere out there in the in the list of alphabets. So then we shake hands. I joined Deftorium as their chief uh, product officer. So every day, you know, I come and, you know, we, we talk about our application product that we built. I looked at the entire company, which is built on custom development model. And there are hundreds of companies that do the same. And I said, how we are going to be different. You know, you're competing with so many companies and every dollar every company is fighting for. So one thing we try to do is to automate as much of the operation of the company. So most everyone who's working at Deftorium is a billable candidate. It's like a consulting company. You you work off of, you know, how many clients you have, what's your billing, consulting, helping your clients, make them profitable, top line, bottom line, basically improving your client's life, what we call the increasing the human engineering, right? 
giving you a better capability, you know, either physically or mentally to do your work better, faster, cheaper than anybody else. So that's the model we took, turn, going away from just a typical order-taking custom software development company to a more consultative company. And at the operational level, everything is automated, right? That was the whole idea. So on one side of the company, we started to build Marquette.ai, which is a content writing and market research automation product. On the other side, I'm looking at the entire operation of the company and then just automate everything, right? Automate everything. You are a 200 people company. You are supported by your administrative staff, your HR, non-billable people. And let's say that ratio is five is to one. For every five billable people, you have one person. My goal was to take that one person and support 20 people, okay? Always have the goals which are higher than you can really achieve, okay? That's the philosophy I followed. Uh, follow the rule in the uh, gym. You always lift more weight than you can actually lift, right? And your point of failure becomes the measurement of your success. And then every day you try to beat that failure. And one day you beat it by a pound and then two pounds. And then you say, oh, now I can lift, you know, 150. Let me try 160. And obviously you fail. But then one day you achieve 160. That is my philosophy. I look for failures, not for success. Because then failures make me go one extra mile to achieve that. And then I set my goals even far and then fail again. And then I keep on going, keep on going. So that's what we did. I said, I'm going to take this company and we, for right now, the ratio is five is two and we will go to 20 is two one. And people said, you are crazy. I said, yeah, I know that. But if I set the goal high enough, if that's my North Star, maybe I will go to 15. Okay. If not 20, but one day we will reach 20 and then I will give myself a goal of 30, 30 is two one. So we started with that. So people going on vacations, people asking for approval for vacation, HR reviews for uh, promotions or change of the project, hiring, terminations, uh, company picnics, sending newsletters. We automated the hell out of all this operational work. I like to hear like how you make all the operational process data-driven and everything you can measure. It sounds really great. But how this type of uh, automation approach affects the team itself? that are working with you from the culture perspective? See, every company has a soul, its own character. You know, company is like a human being. It has a soul, it has a body, it has brain, legs, everything. And you really have to understand what that soul is. What I love about our company is we take pride on saying that we are probably the smartest people in Europe, okay? Every person that we hire is a winner of some sort of a coding championship tournament, hackathons or something. So they are not afraid of challenging themselves. They are not afraid of that tomorrow, my job is going to get eliminated because there is no elimination in our company. I will tell you one thing about our company. The reason I joined Devtorium because probably I've never seen such an amazing company in my life. This company follows the Swiss model of like, you know how Switzerland runs, you know, everyone has a voting right. You can pick up precedent from one party but the vice president could come from another party. Every town can have their own vote and they can have a vote on anything, okay? So in our company, there is no headquarter, even though Lviv, so we have a big presence in Ukraine and after the war started, we moved our people out, you know, out of many other countries. So we are headquartered in New York. We have second headquarter in Greece and then we have a big delivery center in Ukraine. They've moved our people out to several, several other countries. You know, if I name them, they will be like 12, 13 countries like 
you know, Romania, Portugal, Poland, uh, Bulgaria, Amsterdam, uh, Budapest, so several other countries. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also noticed that you have a big team in Ukraine, which is fantastic. Probably it's not really noticeable from meeting me for the first time, but I was born and raised in Ukraine. I moved to Poland like around five years ago to proceed my career because I got like a great offer. And I do have still a family now there in Ukraine, in Kharkiv. And so that's wow, why okay. I just wanted to say thank you to you that you are of operating course. in Ukraine and supporting the Ukrainian people absolutely. and economy. Slava Ukraine. <laughs> it's cool yeah absolutely no no ukrainians are amazing amazing ethics character and this war has proven these guys are made of steel you know they are really the iron man of this planet and uh, nothing can break their spirit and i just love it so when we built this company and i was advising and i was working with the founders and the ceo there is no single headquarter not People from Lviv can come to Cherkasy or Poltava or Vinitsa and say, we are from the headquarters. Every center has its own model of governance. You know, they, I will tell you a funny story about this guy from Lviv. You know, he's our head of BA. You know, the hospitality of Ukraine, coffee, yeah, exactly. chocolates, candies, right? Every office is, the chocolates are amazing. Sugar is amazing in Ukraine. You know, the cane sugar and everything. And I, I just love it that every office has their own basket of candies and chocolates. So one time I'm in Lviv and there are no chocolates. Everything is disappeared. I said, what happened? He said, our head of BA was gaining a lot of weight because of so many chocolates and candies. They had a vote. And after the vote, everybody approved there should not be any more candies in the office. So candies are gone. Sorry, Abhishek. So that's the model of governance I'm talking about. I go to Poltava office. There are plenty of chocolates everywhere. HR policies are different in every office. You know, somebody says we want a coffee machine. Another office says we don't care about coffee. One office says we want to have a different promotion cycle, different, you know, promotion salaries or whatever. What I'm trying to say is this company is run truly by people, truly by people. Everybody says servant leadership. Everybody says employee empowerment and everything. This company lives and breathes and practices that every minute of the day. Okay, so that is one thing I loved about Deftorium. So yeah, people say, well, okay, what is so different about you guys? It's people, truly the people on papers, how this company is run by every employee. When I was building my product, you know, I'm a chief product officer and, you know, all these experience and everything. I get challenged every day, even by the junior most guy in my team. And they come and say, Abhishek, this idea is terrible. What you're telling us to do, we don't like it. And I have to convince no matter who that person in my team is. Everyone has an equal voice. We have lifetime employment. We have unlimited vacations. So there are so many things that I loved on the operational side of the company. So originally your question was, how did team take it? They embraced the whole idea. Yes, automate everything. We really want to work on cool projects. We don't want to worry about you know, the administrative, and nobody was getting threatened by the ideas. We have created a safe zone in the team, in the overall, in the organization. And I think people feel like they can be part of whatever journey we, we go on. It's awesome. And how you attract this talent? You mentioned it based on your story. I see that you basically are hiring some genius to your team. But I know like right now we do have a lot of layoffs. But before these days, it was really hard to hire and attract talented engineers. And how you do that? How you attract and find such gyms to your team? That's a great question. I think everyone last year and year before was struggling to find all these 
amazing people, you know, all around the world. At one point, we had almost like 40 open positions. We could not find people. We thought Ukraine has run out of Java programmers. You know, there are no Java programmers left in the entire Ukraine. But I think, you know, what I find interesting about our company, we are not as small as somebody will come and say, oh, these guys are nowhere. I don't know what projects I'm going to work on. I think we are at that sweet spot where we are an established company, yet we have the soul of a startup. We are only about 200 and, you know, a few people. So we are not small. We have five, you know, six offices and we have several clients. People also look at that they are not a typical custom development company. These guys are onto automation. They are looking at tomorrow's technology. And you, if you look at our uh, slogan of our company, you know, future-proof your business, we are very futuristic. We are working on AR, VR stuff. We are working on, you know, GPT-4. We are working on low-code, no-code. We are working on the technologies of tomorrow, not today. You know, today, obviously, we have to work on realistically, we have clients and we have, you know, we have got payroll to run. But we are always striving. We are passionate about how technology is going to help tomorrow. Today, we are already helping. We are already changing the world. But how is it going to make a dent in the universe tomorrow? That's what we focus on. And people like it. And listen, you really have to believe in what you do, right? In your marketing, in your story that you tell, you don't advertise what you do. You tell a story. You see what kind of a difference you are making to your clients, organizations, their lives and everything. And if you truly believe in it, you don't have to advertise much. If you believe in what you do, it comes out naturally in your eyes, in your character, in the work that you guys do, in the air that you breathe in the office. You can just see it everywhere. This may be one of the reasons. I'm not saying this is the reason. There can never be one factor. It's always a factor of 10. So I think there is a factor of many, many things that make our company, you know, still very competitive in the market and very attractive to great talents. Awesome. And it's also great to hear that uh, the majority of your A&D team members are located in Ukraine. So yes. I think even beside of the fact that in Ukraine there are like a lot of talents, I think like we need also to mention that they are brave as well. I mean, I just want to make a small shout out to the Ukrainian people for how brave they are. No yes. matter what's happening outside, whether their homes are under shelling, they still somehow manage to get things done. So support Ukraine and work with Ukraine and Ukrainians are awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, and to continue our topic on AI development, and maybe you can tell me what is the biggest challenge you are facing in the industry right now, or maybe challenges that you as a company are facing right now? Because AI, it's pretty new established industry that people are only starting doing the business in this industry. <laughs> there is a myth in the industry where people say, is AI going to replace humans? And I say, AI is not going to replace humans. AI is only going to replace humans that do not use AI. Okay. <laughs> so you can never replace humans. AI only makes you better. Any software. See, back in the days when, you know, software and the computers came in the in, in our lives, the goal was very simple. You know, if I really simplify it, like brutally simplify software, it's, it does only one thing, process automation. Whatever you guys do, it just automates that, whatever the case may be. 
what AI does now, I feel, you know, AI or, or computing in general, it is making your scalability to the level of, you know, infinite. It makes you grow really fast, high profits. And then overall, increasing what I say this human engineering, it makes you a faster, better human being. I think the generations, you know, coming tomorrow, day after, they're going to be better than us. They are going to be so well equipped with the information, with technology, with wearables, with all the information at their, you know, there was Google. Now you have ChatGPT. I'm not saying ChatGPT is the upgrade, but I'm saying you have all these tools. You learn so fast. You know, when I started coding back in, you know, in 90s, we built frameworks and data sets and connecting to the database everywhere. You know, we were doing coding from that basic level. Now there are amazing frameworks available. You simply get to the problem. You don't worry about the, the basics of programming. You just go and then figure out what the actual algorithm is, what is the logic that you are supposed to build. It's no longer just create, read, update, and delete. I mean, I did not do just CRUD. I did many other things, but we did CRUD too. Now you don't have to worry about CRUD at all. It's all done for you. You just have to go and attack the core issue the core logic and the algorithm, everything else is pretty much done as part of the framework, okay? You have Dockers, you have Kubernetes, you have these the ways to scale, you know, through clouds and AWS and GCP and Azure and everything else. The whole tech has transformed from what it used to be to a whole different level. As far as challenges go, see, challenges are always going to be what is next? What the pain points are? The stability, the growth, scalability, how you continue to swim in your blue ocean, how you can somehow predict and read tomorrow. And I'm a big believer of that, you know, looking at tomorrow, what is coming? And that's what I even, we even put the slogan with my little bit of an input, a future proof your business. And that is the problem. That is the challenge of any, any industry. What is coming tomorrow? Did anyone predict uh, COVID? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, did anyone predict uh, this unfortunate war in uh, Russia and Ukraine? People saw it coming. We kept on saying, no, no, no. You know, but it happened and it's still going on, unfortunately. So if there is a way to predict that, read that, even if you can be 70, 60% right, I think that is the problem everyone is facing. There is an abundance of SaaS platforms, you know, I see everywhere you know, and how you still stay competitive. I think, you know, if you have to be successful in any company, you have to be great at product that you're building. You have to be great at marketing, truly believing, not just marketing, just the gimmick, but the actual marketing, actual going out to people and reaching out and making that connection and telling the story. And you have to be great at customer service. As far as I know, I think that these are the three pillars of any company's success. There may be fourth, which I don't know, but that's what I believe. Okay, it's cool. And I also totally agree with you because even right now, I already started working at least when ChatGPT available from time to time as a co-founder of a small startup, you're basically doing everything. I just try to create a sequence of email templates to reach out to potential clients. And <laughs> sometimes you're just sitting, you can't phrase two words, but then you have ChatGPT and simplified your job. Of course, you still need to customize something, but at least it's helping to save time or it can uh, give you some insights or ideas when you don't have any. So I totally agree with that, that people actually need to learn how to use AI at this point because it's free 
It's uh, accessible for everyone, and it's definitely the future. It's yep. cool. Yeah, and I see that you do a lot of stuff, and you basically have a devtorium, but also you have market. But what is the main business for you at this moment? The product or the or devtorium? So it's the same company. Uh, Devtorium is a group of companies. It has got two components. One component is custom software development. Other component of the company is SaaS Market.ai, which is a SaaS product. So I focus more on the product side of the business. I am uh, we have our CEO Tom Tom Dragon and and other folks in the company who really are responsible and work on service part of the business. I focus on. Automation, I focus on SaaS development. Market.ai is already launched. We have several hundred subscribers. I was in Vegas last week promoting Market.ai. And whenever anyone came and said, hey, we also need designers, developers, we had our super competent CEO and our head of sales, uh, Tom Bradham, who could speak, you know, who could sing a song about, you know, outsourcing, offshore, Ukrainian develop. And he came from a very established company. So, so there are two, you know, sides of the business. Market is already launched. Now we are working on HR automation. So something that we use to automate our own sales automation and HR and billing and payroll and signing NDAs and customer onboarding, the whole workflow in, in any service company. We have automated all that. We are right now doing some alpha testing. So I would say in, in about four months, I'd say by you know early summer, we are going to launch our ERP for service companies. Maybe there are 250,000 companies which are in service, custom software, outsourcing, offshore, you know, consultative agencies, marketing agencies who have a similar model like us, if not the services, at least the model like us. So we are targeting those SMBs and for that, we build this product, which basically automates everything through bot and communication agents and the low code, no code, I think is going to be very useful for those companies. So we are going to be the first testers of our own product and then see how it works. And then we will reach out to our friends and family and some of the companies to request and beta test this product. And then we will see, you know, how it gets received. So we are getting into this automation and innovation. Okay. Market was first, not the last. It's solid MVP. Okay. Even though we have several hundred subscribers, but we are learning and improving every day. And we already have our second product at the alpha stage. So this is the path I'm going to, you know, head at uh, Deftorium, and we will continue to build and grow our service part of our business. I gotcha. And um, for example, I noticed like for a couple months, once ChatGPT uh, got hyped, I saw a lot of videos from YouTubers or bloggers that you can use ChatGPT to generate articles and then put it to your website to get higher ranked in Google or whatever. But I'm curious, Google also, they do have different bots and they also audit all the content that are indexed at Google. And do you think like in the future, it would be some kind of slaughter between people that generating content with ChatGPT and Google? Because... I think like soon Google will launch the bot that will, you know, check the text for authenticity or something like that. Do you think this kind of, you say, to compete with Google is worth it in that case? There are already products out there. I think there is one product called Chat Zero, 
that figures out if this text is written by a human or by a machine. I think ChatGPT is also building a tool or they have already built, I think they just relaunched another product that also detects if the given content is written by a human or by a machine. So I don't see that ChatGPT replaces Google. And who am I to really? No, I mean like app like this that generate text. Yeah, I mean, Google is working on, I think, their own content generation tool, I think, called DeepMinds. I think Microsoft has already has heavily invested in uh, ChatGPT and might, you know, integrate that with Bing. And I think Yahoo would do something with it as well. So there is a lot of activity that ChatGPT has begun. What I'm happy about that ChatGPT is not threatening Google or Microsoft or anything. It is just giving people a direction that, guys, this may happen, Okay. So I think it's just going to make this world even better, just like Google did. So I think every technology that comes into the world, it only makes things better and faster and more efficient and and make us smarter than the previous generations. I think that's what ChatGPT has done and will continue to do. It will only push Google to the next level of success or next level of excellence, I believe. And as I said, I think ChatGPT is not a threat. It's not a replacement. It's only pushing Google. Hey, you have done this for a long time. You were the only one. We are out here. So come on, do something different now. Okay, it's been, it's been what, like 25 years now? That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree with you. And yeah, so everyone who wants to challenge such big corporations and to do something innovative, I think AI, it would be something that they can start with. And you were asking about the AI, you know, is it, see, for me, AI is, becomes your IA. AI is not a replacement. I, AI is your intelligent assistant. It's your IA. It doesn't replace you. It is only a very, very smart assistant that you always wanted. That's all. You ultimately make the decision, you know, just like we see in any leadership, you are surrounded by computers, advisors, secretaries. But you make the ultimate decision. You ultimately push that final button. You know, that's what I see with AI. So somebody is going to go and think, I'm just going to use AI and write the articles and then push it out there. I think that's where the challenge is. Challenge is not how to use AI, but challenge is you just use AI. Just AI. That I don't concur with, you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe you would like to tell to our listeners a little bit more about market and what it does and how does it work. I also already checked your website and I think it could be useful for a lot of people who need to create content. So do you want to spend a few minutes talking about of course, market? Of course, that's my brainchild. I, I can talk for days and weeks about it. Uh, so if you are a copywriter, marketing agency, you're a student, entrepreneur, you could be an investor, you could be just a writer, you know, for simplicity's sake, who likes to post things on Quora, on LinkedIn, Facebook, writing blog, writing articles, writing essay, preparing product description, preparing a marketing email. That's what this product is built for. So what it does, you go in, you can sign up anytime. There is a Google sign up. There is a sign up with the emails. And however, you have first month of money back guarantee. There is a free trial. If you don't like it, send me an email and I will refund the whole fee. No questions asked. Okay. It's only $19.95 for lattes. That's all it costs. $19.95 a month. You can cancel anytime. So we are not looking to catch you. Okay. We truly believe in our product. 
If you like it, use it. If you don't like it, it's not built for the all the 8 billion people on the planet. It's built for a certain segment. So you go in, you to pick a template, you know, as I said, marketing email, math equation, blog, how to article, one pager, ebook, whatever you are trying to write. Enter your topic, pick your tone, tone being inspirational, educational, entertaining, how Jeff Bezos will write this article or Elon Musk for that matter. You can pick a tone of voice and then it starts to generate that content for you, paragraph by paragraph. It's going to generate an article. Let's say you're trying to write a blog or just article. So it's going to give you an introduction. With that introduction, you have choices to rephrase, rewrite, continue to write more. You know, you see five lines, you want to see eight lines, or just delete that. You don't like it. Write that again. So it's very interactive. Uh, you know, chat GPT is a one-time shot. It's a great utility. I think ours is a little bit more formal. It has more structure. And it's very interactive. For every paragraph, you have a choice to change it, you know, improvise. And then you see the introduction, conclusion, everything in between, and you can publish. So it's very easy. It's It takes literally five seconds to generate the content and then takes another five seconds to keep on rephrasing or continue writing and everything. We are open to feedback. We just launched the product. It's not the end. It's Literally, we have just begun. So please, by all means, if you don't like it, come and yell at me, scream at me, give me some feedback. I promise we will improve it. Customers are the best entrepreneurs of an application because they are the ones who actually use that application. I can only give a birth to a product, but to take that product to the next level of maturity and improvisation, it comes with clients. It comes with open feedback and listening to them with utmost sincerity and, and genuine intellect. And I'm all about that. You know, I'm only giving what I thought could be useful. But please, by all means, use the product. See what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Let's have a session. I promise we will listen to every single feedback with the same level of sincerity as my team listens to me. Our link is marquette.ai, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E. So marquette.ai. Just go take a look and then see what you think about it. So, and if you so guys ever need designers, developers, data scientists, QA, whatever, talk to Tom. I will make the introduction. You guys will love our development team. They're amazing. Thank you for sharing. And I hope that it would be really useful to our listeners, especially Martik. I mean, everyone will want to build a brand awareness, personal brand in social medias. And if you're a person like myself, that it's hard to generate or to come up with even two sentences, then this type of tool could be helpful. Yes, yes. I see that we are running out of time already and you're really busy. But once you started like sharing your background experience, I come up with so many questions I didn't even know. And right now I don't know how to fit it into one hour call. But I know like we have one more thing that I think like it's important to brought it up. I know that you are writing a book right now, The Reverse of Truth. Can you tell us a little bit more and give us some insight about the books that you're working on? Yes, yes, would love to. Listen, you know, all my life, I have been a very big believer of that. And, you know, that's really the story of Black Swan or Ficronomics, some of the amazing books that I've read of or Outlier. I have believed that what we hear, what we have inherited, our tribal knowledge, Truth is always something different. Not always. I, I shouldn't use the word always. But in many, many cases, you know, if you go one extra mile, 
if you really go dig and poke and keep on going, what's really behind this, everything I have learned, many a times I have found a whole different level of truth. Something as society, as science, as religion, as philosophy, what we have believed in, because we were told to believe, I almost question everything. And I found that the truth was exactly the opposite of what I was told, you know. So with that, I will, when the book comes out, you will read, uh, there will be several chapters on some very controversial topics, okay. But be patient, you know, when you read the title, just read and then see if I made sense or not. I'm sure some people will find that book absolutely nonsense. Some people find that book maybe a food for thought. And some people may find it interesting. Listen, you know, uh, there was a great philosopher who I followed and he always said that when you come and uh, meet me, leave all the questions outside. Come with genuine curiosity of what I'm just about to say. Because the moment you start thinking about questions when I'm talking, you already stop listening. You are not listening anymore, you know. So first come and hear, then grasp, then adapt then brainstorm, and then decide to either reject or implement. But listening is very important. We all think we listen, but we actually don't. Because the moment we start thinking we, we are listening to somebody, we already have questions in mind. And when you have questions starts to come in your mind, when you're listening to somebody, you stop listening. When I was graduating, when I was in fourth grade, third grade, fifth grade, you know, and my teacher talked, did I have questions in mind? No. I listened to my parents and my professor as if, they were the symbol of truth. There were no questions. Questions only came now, okay? Now, or maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And that's what we miss out when we become adults. We think we know everything. We don't. So one thing I, I write in that, people say, more you travel, more you read books, you become smart. And I said, no, you don't. You become more and more stupid, more you read. because It tells you how less you still knew. And how much is still out there that you don't know? So every time you read more, you don't become smarter. You become more humble. How much you actually did not know? So it's just a different way of looking at the world through this book that I'm trying to bring it out to. Well, thanks for sharing. And uh, maybe for the closer question, I just would ask you, when is it going to be live, the book itself? I really hope early 24, and then I would be going on a very challenging journey on finding a publisher, <laughs> okay? So I'm hoping I'll be able to finish it in 23, permitting time and and all the topics that I can cover, and then hopefully sometime in 24, I should be able to launch it. Okay, cool. And uh, Thank you very much for sharing, and thank you for Absolutely. coming for this podcast. And I hope that... It would be really insightful for our listeners because we haven't touched base the AI topic before. And I think if you would like to meet another time to talk more about your background, because to be honest, we can make more episodes even just talking about your experience as a founder in Fusion for five years and how you built it and actually exit this company. And I think that also would be insightful for our listeners. So. After this episode launch, if you would like to join and tell us a little bit more about your career as a founder, uh, feel free to write us and we would love to have you even next time. It would be my honor. It would be a pleasure to uh, talk to you again. Thank you. 
Product Leaders Podcast is brought to you by FireArt. I was your host, Tolik. To find out more about FireArt and how we aim to build a brand that will contribute to the world with useful products that empower people and make their lives easier, visit fireart.studio. Search for Product Leaders in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you never miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at FireArt, thanks for listening.